This podcast is brought to you in association with Wednesday Picks, the free-to-play game where you can bag yourself a share of £1,000 just by answering a few questions based on our upcoming fixture. Just head to the iOS App Store or the Google Play Store to download the app and enter your predictions. You have to be over 18 to play. Please play responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast with your host James Mappy and Jamie Halcroft. We're joined today by James, as always. You all right, James? I'm fine, thank you, Jamie. You all right? Yeah, good mate. And also somebody who made over 130 appearances for Sheffield Wednesday, as well as playing for Celtic, and most recently Sunderland is Glenn Lovins. How are you doing, mate? You okay? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, mate. Um, first things first, most importantly, um, your career. Can you tell us how it started? If you knew you was going to be a footballer at school and where you wanted, if you knew anything else about what other than playing football, what was it like when you were leaving school? Well, I, I, I started obviously football in a very, very uh, young age. Uh, it helped that I had a brother that was one year older than me and my dad that played professional football. So it was, I, it was only one thing in, in our family and it was football. So I knew kind of on a, a young age that I, I wanted to follow in my, my father's footsteps. So, uh, it was like an easy, uh, easy choice for me when I grew up. And your brother, your brother played as well. My brother played football, but not professionally. Um, he he, he kind of grew very quick uh, when he was fifteen, and he got a bit uncoordinated, and and he had to take a, a step back from football. But he was very talented as well. Starting from the beginning, um, where whereabouts did you start then with your with your career? Well, I. I I uh, I went to Feyenoord um, when I was 12, um, went through all the age groups, uh, made my professional debut uh, there as well. Uh, I left to Cardiff uh, when I was, I think, 21. Um, I've been on twice on loan as well. Uh, stayed there for three years, went to Celtic, uh, stayed there for four years. Just want to interrupt. Um, what was it like then? Obviously, moving over to uh, you know to play for Cardiff uh, to move over to the UK was that was that a bit of a yeah scary thing or it was very scary. Uh, I I remember that um, I was in my car driving to Cardiff and on my way f- from Holland, I I took a bad turn and I kind of got emotional. I thought. You know, shall I just turn around and go back home? <laughs> uh, is this a, is this a sign? <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know, you're you're young and you're leaving home, and it's it's never easy. Um, but looking back now, uh, I probably should have went abroad a bit earlier, maybe one or two years earlier, because it was more more my style of playing. Um, yeah. Did you come, did you come over alone, or did you come over with like you know, with your partner, or did you have a partner at the time, or? Um, yeah, well, it was uh, it's my wife. Now we we met like a, a year before. It was just very early in our in our days, and uh, but she she moved uh, with me. Uh, she came later though, but uh, no, it was a big help. Of course, you can't do yeah. it without family. Of course. And with um, you know at Celtic, I was just looking at um, the stats as well, Gwen. So you know, for Celtic, you scored eight goals um, in in half as many games as you played for Wednesday. Um, I'm not having a go at you for this because obviously you were solid for Wednesday. But is there a reason you don't think you scored so many goals at, for Wednesday as you did sort of 
just before when you were at Celtic, or do you think it's because of well, the I, Scottish I, thing? I, yeah, I, I, I question myself this as well. How is it possible that I think uh, I think I scored like three already in my first six six games at, at Celtic, something like that? Uh, I don't us. know. I don't know. Maybe I was a bit more aggressive when I was younger. I'm not sure. Uh, the, the thing is with that, Glenn, on Boxing Day, because you, you remember the goal at Newcastle, uh, yeah. 55,000 or whatever. Boxing Day in my family, we're all massive Wednesday fans, like home yeah. and away or whatever. But in my family, we have everybody around on Boxing Day for the football. Yeah. And you, you won my cousin Carl Hepworth. You won him £100 with that goal. Anyway, <laughs> that, that, was the, that, that was the best night ever. Tell him, tell him dinner is on him next time I see. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's spent. I think he spent it now. But what was dinner, What was it like? What was it like scoring in front of fifty-five thousand people for Wednesday and getting the win as well? Listen, uh, you know, Sheffield Wednesday is a special club anyway. So uh, for me to be there that long and and score that, uh, it, it was an important game for us as well in a big stadium yeah. and. And a special day, so it was it was amazing. Um, like I said, I'm a bit disappointed that it took me so long to do it. But <laughs> hey, if you pick out one game to do it, why yeah, exactly. Not, uh, you'd rather do. Away? You'd rather score one goal in that game than eight goals at home when you're winning three 0 But yeah, another thing as well, Glenn. So a lot of players, when you come to Sheffield Wednesday, a lot of players don't come from clubs with a lot of respect from from clubs that are sort of a high calibre whatever so when you come from Celtic it wasn't like you was coming into a club and sort of going oh my god look at the ground because you was used to fans you was used to a big ground but what was it like could, could you tell the size of the club and when you came and yeah well it, it, it the situation was a bit different because I, after Celtic I went to Spain uh, after one year they uh, we, we agreed to terminate contracts uh, and I was at the brink of going somewhere else and I got injured, so I had like a, a slip disc. So I had an operation at the time. So I didn't play for like three, four months. Uh, obviously, I, I was coming back from, from injury. Um, looking for a club, because it's not easy when you, you've been three, four months out. It's middle of the season. Uh, at the time, my old manager from Cardiff, uh, which I got on really well, was manager at Sheffield Wednesday, Dave Jones. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and you guys were struggling big time. I think you were last uh, last in the league. So he phoned me and he said, "Listen, can you help me out? We need you now." <laughs> yeah, and I said, "Listen, I'm not fit." He said, "Listen, come anyway because you'll you'll be a big help for us." So I went I went there and uh, I watched the home game. I think you lost two 0 or something. And he said, "What do you think?" I said. I think <laughs> I think one player won't make a difference here, but I'm gonna try anyway because, uh, to be honest, I needed I needed some game time as well to get me back on on pitch and back fit again. So we kind of kind of helped each other out. Um, the last thing you expected then from coming and seeing sort of that and thinking, oh God, at the yeah. start, the last thing you expected was ending up obviously at the Millennium State um, at the Wembley Stadium. Sorry, ready yeah. to try and go to a Premier League. And I, I know it's horrible talking about that because. It was the worst day ever, obviously. But do you think it was just not meant to be that year? Because it felt like it was, didn't it? It felt like it was meant to be. Yeah, well, of course, uh, it's it went a bit quick because uh, two years before we were, f- well, they were fighting relegation and a new owner came, new manager, and it kind of went so quick, probably quicker than everyone expected. Um, but listen, if you're playing a final, of course you want to go for it, and of course, yeah. uh, there has to be one loser. And unfortunately, it was us. But 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think on the day itself, uh, too many players didn't reach their uh, normal level. And uh, on the day, uh, a beauty of a goal, uh, the side that hole went up. Another. What did it feel like? What did it feel like going out at Wembley? You saw the Wednesday fans. I know it's all right for me to say because I'm a Wednesday fan, say, saying we're amazing, but how good were the fans? Like it Listen, was brilliant. If, if, if the fans, you think the fans were disappointed, I can tell you the players felt a lot worse uh, because a lot on it, you know, a lot depended on the players as well. For a lot of players, was probably the only time they would even sniff going to the Premier League. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it, which is the best best league in the world and a lot of things you know didn't go our way and like I said if you think the fans were disappointed I can tell you the faces in that dressing room I will never forget Just uh, when I, obviously in your, in your second season with the club you, you obviously made captain as well um, did that come as a surprise to you or, or was that something that you were kind of working toward? Listen I, everywhere I've been or from a young age um you know, I always try to lead the team and it doesn't mean like if you're the captain that you're the leader or whatever. It's, it's, I think it's your person, personality and that's, that's how, how I've always been. And when you come to a certain age, people respect you and you've been given the, the captaincy armband. And of course, it, for me, it was a huge honor to, to wear it uh, for a club like, like, like Sheffield Wednesday. And, uh, you know, if I think back on it, it still makes me proud. You can follow us on our social media. Just search for at WTIDpod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and make sure you get involved. We've also asked um, some questions from the fans as well. So I'll just read a, read a few of those out if, if I can. Um, Paul Hartley on Twitter, he said, uh, would you be interested in a coaching role at Sheffield Wednesday? And have you done your coaching badges as well? Well, I started my coaching badges when I was at my last year at Sheffield Wednesday and I continue it when I was at Sunderland. But after uh, after my second course, I thought, is this really what I wanted? So probably not. So I kind of um, left it there. Um, then I went to do a little bit of uh, scouting uh, on a course as well. So I finished that and I thought, yeah, this is something that is more with me like something I, I kind of enjoy because as a coach, you still have the same hours as a player and you're still being lived by football. And as a scout, you can, you can do a lot uh, on your own accord and um, still hard work, but there's something that, that I quite like going into. So I'm probably uh, heading into recruitment side of football. For Wednesday, hopefully. We'll, well, we'll see. It's not an easy time at the moment with Corona. A lot of clubs are struggling financially, so it's a it's a bad time knocking on uh, clubs' doors. Hey, you got a bit of space. So, yeah, I, I kind of like to develop myself now uh, in any way possible. And when the time's there, I, I'm sure uh, you know well, something nice will uh, come up. Now we'll we'll go on to a few more questions a little bit later on, but I'll just read this this one out, and we've had loads like this as well. Uh, David Hush on Twitter has just put great bloke and captain, future management material. So uh, you've had, had a lot of, a lot of love from uh, from the fellow Wednesdayites. So that's uh, Glenn. I just want to say I've just thought of something. Then um, this has nothing to do with this, but 
Chancery, you know, you must know what's happening at Wednesday at the minute. I just want a view from a player's point of view. So you've you've played with him as the owner, sort of thing, right? He's gotten a lot of criticism from a lot of clubs at the minute and media, etc. Can you just tell us your relationship, what you had with him, and that you think his best intentions are at heart with Sheffield Wednesday? Well, his best intentions are there for sure. Uh, I had a lot of I had a lot of uh, meetings and discussions with him, and. Oh, he thinks uh, Sheffield Wednesday, and everything he tries to do is he believes is in the best interest of Sheffield Wednesday. This I can promise you. Um, but of course, he's not. He's, he doesn't have a football background, so of course he's going to make mistakes, and uh, it's a, it's a learning curve as well. And and that's why I hope he gets it right because uh, I think he deserves it. Thank you very much. That's that's massive. That that's good. To, it's all right. Millions of people saying this and that, but you 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 know more than us. So, well, listen. That's that's always when it goes wrong. Then you know they start blaming people. But um, yeah, sometimes it's not fair because he he really tries a lot uh, for the club and he already invested a lot of money within the club. And at a certain point, you know, it's it, it needs to you know the club needs to take over. You can't. Just, just keep putting money into it. And, yeah, exactly. And I think that's where they are a little bit at the moment. Um, T. Matthews on Twitter, um, Glenn, he's asked, is T. Matthews 03, he said, who would you like, who would you like to see? Who would you think wait, next Wednesday's next manager could or should be? Well, I think they need a, they need a manager that brings structure to the club. I think that's what they uh, need most. Uh, not only the coach, but someone within the club that brings structure from, from head to toes. I think that's that's what they they need, and not just for the near future, but for on the long term. I think that's where, yeah, what they need the most. So, and who who that is, I don't really care as long as they do. It. <laughs> so, so you still look out, you still look out for the scores, then you still look out for the Wednesday scores. Of course, of course. Uh, I've, I've, I've got the, I've got an app. I've got them on the, on pin. So as soon as something happens, I will get a notification. <laughs> Those Noggers Noggers SWFC four. He said, "What's the best game you featured in? Is that Arsenal three 0 at Hillsborough? Is that Brighton in the playoff semi final? Which one's the best game you?" I've got a I've got a few. Um, of course, I think the Brighton at home was very special and away um, because of the emotion. Home, us, you know, when when the lights, when it was dark and the light, everything, everyone lighted up their phone. It was. People don't realize, but it, it made it so magical for us on the pitch. It was, it was I still get goosebumps talking about it now. Um, I think Leeds home when we, you know, big rival and we we beat them. Was it six six nil six, six one? Six nil, yeah. Yeah, I Which remember was, the goals uh, from them. Yeah, was special, and then uh, of course the Arsenal game, um, which is always nice to beat a, a big Premier League team uh, at home for your own fans. And not just beat them, uh, uh, hammer them, didn't we, really? Yeah, we, at the end, of it, we made it look comfortable, but we had to put a shift in, don't forget that. We made it look easy, but it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going just gonna to touch on, uh, obviously, the, the manager, Carlos Cavallo, when he, when he came in. What what did he do differently that uh, that perhaps other managers hadn't done? Was it was it his style of play? Was it his was it his coaching style? What what was it that he, that he did? Um, I think he was his. I think he was very good in man management. 
Um, so I think he knew exactly. Okay, this player needs a break. Okay, you don't you don't train today. Just be fit on 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 game day. You understand? He was very good uh, in this. Uh, I think tactically was very good. And I think we had a a kind of good mix of players as well. Um, we had a, a a lot of probably players that were on on their peak. Um, you know, we had a, a young Forestieri, we had a Ross Wallace, uh, Barry Bannon, uh, myself. I was in an age where you know, 30, 31, which is you know a good age for for center half. And yeah, uh, Tom Lee's a young, you know, hungry defender. Yet uh, Sam Hutchinson, if he was fit, unbelievable. You know, yeah. Kieran Lee. Uh, good squad, a good squad. You know, it was everything probably together. It was a good mix. If you take it, take them now, there everyone is, you know, three, four, five years older and um, the wrong side of 30, you know. <laughs> you just touched on it then with, with Tom Lee. I mean, it must be key as obviously you know, to have that partnership with, with someone else and, and trust someone like you did with Tom Lee. I mean, you just talk a bit about that relationship that you had with each other. Yeah, well, I actually got a phone call of um, of um, Stuart Gray, who was uh, the manager at the time, and he phoned me. He said, "Glenn, I've got a partner. Um, you're gonna sign him up. You really like him." I was like, "Okay." I said, "Who is it?" He says, "A young defender. He likes to play." I said, "I'm sure we'll be a good partner for you." And he was right. You know, uh, I had many good years with Tom. He's a good guy, great defender, and a good good guy as well in the dressing room. So. Yeah, we uh, we gelled very well. Uh, within and who, the team. who, when you came to Wednesday, Glenn, like for you, because you were a bit more experienced and you didn't really need that sort of motherly love when you first came. But who did make you feel really welcome? Who did you like really take to? Who did you spend a lot of time with when you came? As a player-wise, or like when you when you came to Wednesday. So when you arrived, which player was like? Did you really click with and you got on with and made you feel really, really at home and? I got I got on uh, really well with uh, Atenu Hill. Um, oh. <laughs> Big Dave. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like when you call him like that. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like that, no? Yeah, no. He said, he's, he said why can't they say my name? I said, hey, listen, your name is difficult to pronounce. Big Dave is something easier. But Big he doesn't always take it that way. <laughs> um, no, we, we, got him, uh, we got on well. And um, uh, yeah. He kind of, I got injured as well, and he took me in the, in his house to, you know, look after me. We went to training together, so uh, yeah, he was a, a you know, a, a player that I'd gone on well uh, off the pitch. He's a one in a lifetime player. He's like the ML, it's sort of like an Emilesky striker. You don't get many of them that come along, but he gave it his all every game. He gave it his all. Every, but what do you remember when he scored that? Sorry. No, I said when I first came to Cardiff, there were many strikers like that, big, strong, physical, uh, you know. Uh, but the, the the game developed as well uh, a lot in the championship. Can you remember the goal he scored against Preston when he took it from the corner flag and then into the top corner with his left foot? Can you remember that game? Yeah, listen, I, I had this conversation with him uh, because he made a he made a compila- compilation of his, his highlights and stuff. And... Uh, with this game, I said, listen, the other the other goal you made that game, it was a toe poke. I said, I like this more because it's a more striker goal. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, how yeah. many times will you ever score like this? Probably not <laughs> a lot. But the toe pokes, I think, you know, the the, the right um, 
to be somewhere at the right time at the right moment. This is where you need to live from as a striker. And I said, that's why I like this goal more because you were there like a hungry strike on the right position in the right time than the other goal because this is a one-off, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I want to touch on as well is um, you, you played in, obviously, the Steel City derby against Sheffield United. Uh, out, am I right in saying you played in the, the old firm derby time at Celtic as well? Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, how, how did it compare uh, between, between the two in terms of a, in terms of a derby? No, like both are big rivals, uh, you know, same city, uh, same league at the time. So it's always, uh, there's always nice, nice derbies. But I think the Celtic uh, Rangers one go, goes a bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you ever score? Did you ever score against Rangers? No, I never scored. I, uh, I remember I, I hit the post one time. And then uh, in that break, they scored, uh, it was two each. So I scored, I hit the post and then that break, they counter-attacked and scored the 3-2. So sometimes... So it was your fault. Uh, it was your fault <laughs> <lost>. <laughs> the misery are so close in football, huh? Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, what was it like, the, you know, the atmosphere in that, in the Steel City? I mean, not only in the, in the, the game, but also the lead up to it. Obviously, you know, there's a, all the fans and all the media, you know, hype it up so much. Yeah, like, like it, as a player. As a player, the bigger the, the game, the better. And, and this is a game that you want to play in as a player because there's a lot of stake, um, not only three points, but the proud, the proud of, of the city, you know, the bragging rights of the supporters, which is a, a big thing. So, uh, of course, it brings a little bit extra tension, a little bit more butterflies in your, in your stomach going onto the pitch. And like I said, this, as a player, that's, that's the kind of games you want to play in. What's it like when, obviously, you go to your, your old club? So, in your case, going back to Cardiff and when, when Wednesday played them, is how, how does that feel? No, it's always special to go back to to your old teams. Uh, like I said, uh, it, I've, every club I've been to I had fun memories, uh, you know. So I like to go back there. Um, every club you you play for, you always meet uh, great people that work within the club, not just players and, and coaches, but. You know, the doorman, uh, the kitman, uh, people like that. Uh, if you go back 10 years' time, they're still working there. <laughs> so sometimes it's nice to to catch up with uh, those kind of people um, that are the heart of the soul of the club. And um, it's always nice to come back to, to, to your old teams. Myself and Jamie bring this podcast to you because we're both passionate Wednesday eyes. But it doesn't come without a cost. Now, we're not doing this to get rich, but for less than the cost of a match day pie and a pint, you can help support the podcast. By becoming a patron, you'll be helping with the hosting costs, as well as allowing us to purchase new equipment to further enhance the listening experience and allow us to continue producing this podcast for you each and every week. Just go to patreon.com forward slash WTIDpod to become a patron of the podcast. Now, we don't want it to make you feel like you have to, but your support is genuinely appreciated, so thank you. Now I'm just going to go back to some of these other questions that uh, some of the fans have asked. And uh, one, one here from uh, Shea's Triathlon. Now, just a quick word on, on Shea. Uh, he's quite a bit of an inspiration. He's only 10 years old, but he's raised over £34,000 for the Blue Bellwood charity. Oh, so, nice. um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, well brilliant. He's, raising, he's raising money to help the, the charity that looks after his cousin, which is great to see. Uh, and he's set himself an amazing challenge. And this year, he's open to swim uh, 20,000 metres, walk 50 miles from Sheffield to Derby and then cycle back. So if anyone that's listening, if they want to uh, go to at Shea's Triathlon on Twitter and click on the link in his profile and you can you can donate. And, and he's asked a question, um, 
he's put who was the best player that you've ever played with in your career, and then who was the best player at Sheffield Wednesday as well. Well, the best player I probably played with, um, although he was young, but you could see he was kind of special already. I think I know. I think I know you're going to say. I think I know you're going to say. Tell me, Is it Van Persie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably, probably too. Um, Van Persie. Um, when you look back, you know he's been absolute. You know the top, uh, top striker. Uh, you know uh, of his of his time and. At a young age as well, uh, at Cardiff, Cardiff City was Aaron Ramsey. The, the kid, yeah. Yeah, the kid was 15 years old, and he, he just he absolutely took charge of training. It was it was ridiculous to see, um, and I, it, it showed because one year later or two years later, he went to Arsenal for big money. So uh, it's injuries that have ruined a lot of people. That's what, but what about Wednesday then, Glenn? Who would you say the best player played with? Did you play with Glenn? Um, sorry, Hooper at. Wednesday and Celtic as well, or yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my best player, you know, he was a bit underrated, but I, I always like Kieran, Kieran Lee. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good answer. He was, he was, you know, at the at the peak in that year, he was unbelievable because he would clear the ball of the line few and the same counter attack, he would slip someone in and and you know and created the winner and. He would he would walk or run 13k a game and didn't moan or you know never said a bad word or he was always there you know to work his socks off for the team and sometimes players like these go a bit on the radar because uh, they don't have a big mouth or you, they don't walk in front of the of the crowd when things good are happening but he was the he was actually uh, one player I, I, I enjoyed playing with. Yeah, I always say about Kieran Lee, he's one of them players that when he's when he's playing, you don't really notice him that much, like you said. But when it's when he's not playing that when you that's when you really know when you really miss him. And uh, you know, when when he's you know not doing those things that you've just spoke about, then we have loads of good players. Uh, I think Barry Bannon, he was unbelievable for us. Uh, for his Jerry on his good day, he was he created a lot of you know uh, goals and chances and. And those players are um, slightly behind Kieranly for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. So uh, I'll go read some of the other questions that we've got as um, as well. Uh, let's, let's have a look. Um, Andy Mosby, uh, eighty six on Twitter. He's put, "Why do you think we got so many injuries in Carlos' second and third season?" I think historically, as a football club, we, we have been blighted with uh, with injuries uh, you know, throughout I, the, the years. I think is there anything you can put your Put your finger on. I think it started the the third season really where we picked up one injury after another. I think at one point there were, I think, 12, 13 players out, yeah, which was potentially our first, you know, everyone starting. Um, and I think it's because the first two seasons uh, with Carlos, we played 60-odd games because we came quite far in the top games. We yep. came to the final, and a lot of players. It's it's hard work. Don't forget that. Uh, it, it's yep. a lot of strain on your body, and then we got deflated again of not winning anything the second year. And I think sometimes yep. it's a little bit mentally as well the third year, where it's it's hard work to get the motivation again and 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 put him 
not only mental but physical physical effort as well and and like I said, I got injured as well twice uh, preseason, and then after the second game in in, pre, uh, in, in the the league as well, um, which was an impact injury. Sometimes this is you can't really uh, um, you, you can't really prevent these kind of things, but ultimately lost Carlos's job, didn't it? Because we we finished in the playoff final, and then we lost in the final, then we've lost in the semi final the year after, and then the year after we we're about 16th, and we had all them injuries, and that's obviously when he went, when it wasn't really his fault with all the injuries. But do you think, as a player, when you're 16th in the league and you've had all this glory the last few years, you, mentally you don't not not you always want to play, but mentally you don't want to get back fit as quick as maybe if you're to the top of the league, and do you know what I mean? Um Maybe some players. I I can I can't speak of other players, but this is not the way I think because I always think the quicker you are back, the quicker you can help the team. Uh, that's my kind of mentality, and I can't realize that a lot of players are thinking the opposite. Um, to be honest, yeah. but I mean, listen, um, if if we would have done it the other way, first year sixteenth. And then yep. no everybody yep, would exactly. be oh Carlos Carlos and you see how football is. Yep. It's uh, yep, exactly. Carlos, yeah. I mean we spoke to um Chris Lines uh, the, the other day uh, and Jamie asked quite a good question to him so I'm going to ask the same one to yourself is because you, you obviously you've already touched on the injuries what's it like when you when you're injured uh, like men- mentally and and also is there always that fear that you're not going to come back quite as good as what you were uh, what you are when you when you were fully fit? It's never a nice thing to to have injuries. Uh, first of all, uh, you feel helpless being on on the on the sideline. Uh, it, I don't know; it's strange to explain, but you can't. Sometimes you make mistakes as well, but at least you make them, and it's your decision. And and if you're on the sideline, you can't affect the team. So this is something. This is hard uh, to deal with. And uh, I I myself had a like I said when I had that slip disc. Uh, at one point, I, I I had like no power in my leg, so of course it goes through your mind like, Jesus, I'm only 29 years old and maybe I have to call it a day, you know? Uh, yeah. And this is not easy because, you know, this is I've done this my whole life. Well, what else am I gonna do? And it's 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 tough sometimes. Um, you know, it's a lot riding on it, not just me, but my family. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. we need to provide for so. No, of course it's it's a sometimes it's mentally uh, uh, tougher than physically football. <laughs> you don't you don't look yeah. a day over twenty, by the way, now, Glenn. <laughs> we have a new podcast ready for you to download and listen to each and every Monday. So make sure you subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode. Episode. So what are you doing now then, Glenn? What are you uh, what are you doing with yourself? In terms well, like of I said, I've done, I've done a bit of um, uh, the coaching side of football, which probably wasn't. For me, I've done the recruitment side, which I like. Um, now I'm 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 uh, helping out a little bit with an agency. Um, so I like to see all aspects of football uh, off off the pitch, and I think later on it will help me if I know how other people are working and and do their things. And I'll probably have to make a decision which way I want to go this summer. Um, and what about watching the football, Glenn? You know, when you're watching the football now, it's not the same, is it? It's like, it's rubbish, isn't it? You know, without the fans. And it, it was not even speakable. When you thought about, if somebody had said to you two years ago, 
in a few years, there's not going to be any fans. We're going to be yeah. locked in a house. It, it wouldn't have even been thinking about. But now, right now, at the moment, when you watch football on TV, when Man United play Chelsea, it, it doesn't. It does never feels the same. No matter what the score is, it doesn't feel the same, does it? Watching it. No, I, of course. Can you imagine playing it in it? It must. It must be rubbish. Because <laughs> yeah. we all played. We all played pre-season friendlies with no no supporters and. Of course, you try your, your best and your hardest, but I don't know, sometimes you get a little extra, you know, motivation and, and drive by, 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 by supporters, from supporters. So, and this is what they miss. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know, must be not, not easy for, for them doing it week in, week out. I've got a good question for you. This is from a few people on Twitter as well, but mainly, can you remember, can you tell us the top five? So, starting with number five, the best goal that you saw and playing for the team. So like, for example, Forest the area away at Norwich and whatever, whatever in the playoff playoffs and what number five, the best goal you saw live number four, three, two, one. Yeah. Let's, let's put Ati, let's put Ati's goal on five. Then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Big, guy. big Dave, big <laughs> Dave, number five. <laughs> um, I would say Ross Wallace. Yep. Which one? Yeah, he's he had I think two like screamers from this the one against Fulham, weren't they away? Fulham yeah. and Brighton, main ones. Yeah, I think I think it was Brighton, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Playoffs. I like for his series as well. At Norwich. Yeah. Number three, top two. Um oof. I think Barry You've Bennett, got to get reach. I I can, yeah, oh yeah. Richie's, thank you for reminding Richie's, me. Richie's, it gets, it leads. He had a few screamers <laughs> as well. Uh, who shall I put him on? Ah, I know already who I'm going to put him on. Newcastle away, yeah? Header. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that header. No. Oh, why not? So the Barry, which one. Barry Bannon goal? Which Barry Bannon goal was you on about? I can't listen. Sometimes I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. Can you imagine three, four <laughs> years ago? It's uh... yeah, of course, of course. Now uh, I'm just going to go on some like some quick fire questions as well. Um, so I'll start for the first one. So when you was uh, when you was a child, you know, watching football, who who was your footballing hero when you were growing up? I I quite like watching Yapstam because uh, okay. you know my dad was a defender and. I was a defender and uh, I quite liked him because as a defender, he probably had everything. He was strong, big, powerful, quick. He, for me, he had a lot uh, going for him as a defender. Excellent. Um, and can you, can you remember the first goal that you scored professionally? Professionally? <sighs> I take that as a no. <laughs> I can't remember if it was for Excelsior, the club I was on loan to, or it was Cardiff. I'm not sure. The the one from Cardiff, okay. I can remember. Yeah. So who who at Sheffield Wednesday? Who had the worst sense of dress? Chris Lyne said Semedo. By the way, Semedo. The the thing he always was uh, was his jeans were so tight already. Yeah. They were like skinny, <laughs> skinny jeans, but literally skinny. Um, <laughs> No, they were worse than that, I think. Okay. Go on. Uh, I would say Forestieri. He was just <laughs> tracksuit bottoms and no effort whatsoever. 
<laughs> okay. Um, who had the worst car? Who, who, who turned up in the worst car for training? Come. Can you remember? Yeah, one of these young kids, but it's not fair to them, you know. They <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I would say we only asked that. It was only a Go good on. thing that they uh, they did not spend their money on a on a big expensive car. To be fair, I'm not yeah. a car kind of guy, so no, me okay. I never really me gave neither. it much notice, to be honest. Okay, you said that uh, obviously your dad was a footballer and your brother was a footballer as well. But if you wasn't a professional footballer, what what could, what would you see yourself doing? I like property, so maybe something in the uh, real estate. Um, this is another thing I like, so maybe something in this. And the okay. Joker, you know when you see the Jokers, I watch the Instagram stories and you see like Lucas Jow when he was there and Forest area, Big Dave always having a laugh. Who, who was the Joker of the group? Who would, who would always play the pranks? There was a lot of personalities, weren't they? Yeah, for me, Samita as well. He was always right in the mix of something happening. Uh, he was always there. Uh, He's probably a, a gentleman of a guy, uh, Sumido. Probably a, a genuine, uh, nice, generally nice guy. Yeah. But if you could do me a favour as well, if you could try and get in touch with him for me and get him to have a chat with us, that would be brilliant. <laughs> I'll, I will let him know. Yeah, Fantastic. Well, Fantastic. I will try. Excellent. So, uh, so yeah. Thank you very much, Glenn, for uh, for coming on and taking the time out of your day to, uh, to talk to us. No, you're welcome. It's much appreciated, and I'm sure all the all, everyone listening will uh, will appreciate hearing from you as well. Well, you guys, thank you very much for having me, and uh, well, good luck for the rest of the season, huh? Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to listen to more episodes like this, then please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and then you'll be notified every time we drop a new episode. Thank you very much and we'll see you next time.